A popular outcast production. You should have used the pickup line. I could have been your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> podcast of all time. Today is Thursday, May 8th, 2014, and this is our one-year anniversary episode. Hooray! Whoa, one year. One I year, know. guys. It's hardcore. <laughs> old. So, um, we're a podcast about portable video games, specifically 3DS, iOS, Android, and other. Um, so, if you tuned in expecting something else... We'll talk to you guys later. My name's Mark Matters. My cohorts here are called... Kevin Seibert. And Emra Smith. We got a lot of content to go over this episode, so we're going to be moving pretty quick here. Emrys, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Mark? Uh, not bad. Not bad at all. Do you have a beverage this evening? I'm drinking tea. It's Tazo Zen flavored tea. What does Zen taste like? Pretty, pretty good. It's a little minty. Hmm. That's always how I pictured Zen. So let's talk about what you've been playing other than the stuff you've been playing to review for this podcast. I've been playing just an absolute shit ton of Hearthstone, mm. which is like the most frustrating thing I could do with my time. <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you. I've, I've learned that I'm really, really bad at it. I'm just really bad at it. Is anyone actually good at Hearthstone? Yes. Yes, people are good at it. Yeah, I mean, you lose. You lose a lot, but if you're good at it, you win more than you lose, and you go up in rank. And I do not go up in rank. I hover at pretty low, mediocre rankings, and I struggle to finish quests, even if I play for hours. <laughs> My daily quest today is to kill 40 minions. That can take a while sometimes. Yeah. That's actually one of the easier quests, though. For more info on this, tune into hearthstonepodcast.com or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. For now, uh, we our question of the week is, what is your favorite portable power memory from the past year? Emrys? So I gotta say, I think my favorite portable power memory is from our very first episode, mm -hmm. because I was, I was pretty drunk <laughs> <laughs> the first time we were recording. And I had actually eaten, like, one quarter of a pot brownie. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, not too long before I start, we started recording. So I was a little, like, wacky mm -hmm. feeling. I don't know if I came across wacky, but we were all just winging it. We were completely just yeah. seat of our pants. That's so much different from it. today. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all, like, so much more confident now. And I guess so, yeah. Like, just like, oh, yeah podcast time we can do this <laughs> i think the first episode yeah the the best memory that springs to mind yeah. it's all been downhill from there <laughs> well i give the i give the pokemon episode a close second I that one was a lot of fun well kevin what are you drinking today well today i'm drinking a um it's from the Flying Dog Brewery. They're out of Frederick, Maryland. Yeah. Uh, it's a raging bitch Belgian style IPA. Oh, damn. Does it have a picture of a dog on it? It does. I thought it might. Yeah. Is said dog flying? Um, you know, I don't remember. I, I don't have the label in front of me right now. I'm drinking it out of my um, Sinestro Core pint glass. Nice. All right, well, what have you been playing recently that doesn't involve your homework for the podcast? Man, I, I have not had time. I played a little bit of Hearthstone, but I'm mm -hmm. covering two games this episode. Right. And both took a significant amount of time, and I've been doing a lot of open mics, so it's... Yeah. That's, that's all my time. That's all of the time. <laughs> I need to quit my day job, man. Yeah, that'll pay off. That's what I hear. <laughs> 
So the question of the week, again, for you, what's your favorite portable power memory from the past year? Directly related to the show, I think that my favorite memory was getting our first email from Daniel, mm. where he asked us for advice, because I remember thinking initially, why is this guy asking us for advice? And then I realized he's 14 and I'm old enough to be his dad. <laughs> so the moment that I realized I was old enough to have a 14-year-old son was... Yeah probably my favorite memory and also one of the most shocking moments of my life. <laughs> I can relate. That and just, yeah. um, I mean, not directly related to the show, but getting to know all of the popular Outcasts guys like oh, on the yeah. network oh, yeah. through this show and the Mike's No Mike open mic crowd has been pretty amazing. God bless nepotism. Yeah, definitely. How about it? <laughs> so, Mark, um, what are you drinking tonight? Well, in celebration of our one-year anniversary, I am once again, this is the first time I've repeated a beverage, so I am once again drinking Chimay Red Label Premier Ale. And mm. if anything, uh, if, if it's going to be anything like the first episode, I'm going to open it here, and it's going to almost take off my face with the cork. Oh, man. Because this stuff's been sitting at room temperature, and I bumped, <sighs> I bumped it on the table when I took it down. You're inviting disaster. Whoa! <laughs> Almost lost a finger. But yeah, this is my favorite beer in the world. Celebrating our one year of podcasting with it. That's awesome. So what are you playing that isn't for the show? I've been playing Child of Light for Wii U. Oh, how is that? Okay, so Child of Light is brainchild of this dude who made a crappy first-person game for like PS3 or whatever. But anyway, it's a hand-drawn... Completely, 100% hand-drawn, 2D puzzle platformer with a turn-based active timer battle system. And it is not only gorgeous to look at every, every step of the way, but it's a lot of fun. And it's very whimsical, very fairy tale-y. Um, everyone speaks in rhyme, except for one character who can't seem to, to get it. It's really good, and it's only 15 bucks, so... My game of the year so far, but, you know, I don't buy a lot of games that are new these days. I, I wanted to download it, and then I had to play two games for this episode. Right. I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. So, question for you. Yeah. What is your favorite memory from the last year associated with Portable Power? For me, it's definitely the Tamagotchi review in episode one. I laughed so hard <laughs> in that... I almost like cried and passed out at the same time. <laughs> also though, again I have to I have to piggyback on Kevin, like just meeting through the internets, um, all the people that are involved in our network and also people on Twitter because I've I've met some really great people on Twitter as well. And I'm gonna give shout outs to them later. But for now, I have a review of a game. What? We do that? <laughs> we should do more of that. <laughs> Just so happens we have like eight in this episode alone. Um, yeah, so again, in celebration of our one year doing the podcast, I'm reviewing the exact same game that I reviewed in episode one, and that is Injustice Gods Among Us for iOS. Now, I decided to revisit this game, in part as, one, as, as recognition of our one-year anniversary, but also because it, it's been consistently updated since I last played it, and I, I wanted to see how much it changed. As a quick refresher, Injustice is a DC Comics-themed, three-on-three, tag-team, 2D fighting game by the makers of Mortal Kombat. There is, or was, this whole story as to why Superman and Batman want, want to punch all their friends' faces, but it's sort of lost in the mobile version. All you need to know is somehow people like Harley Quinn can knock out people like Darkseid by punching and kicking them until they fall down. As I'm checking the version history here on the iOS App Store, I see that there's multiple new characters that they've added, and tons of costumes. Keep in mind, the costumes are essentially different characters with, with stat adjustments, like a different version of Superman will have a different suit, but he'll also have adjusted stats. So they're kind of different characters. Sad adjustments can be anything from increased power to um, inc they can actually have healing and 
um, bleed damage and stuff like that. Little kind of light RPG kind of stuff. But most notable are these characters that they've added. They've added Lobo, Shazam, Martian Manhunter, and Scorpion for Mortal Kombat. And some of the cooler costumes I saw that they added were Harley Quinn from Batman the Animated Series. That's pretty wonderful. There's a Catwoman costume from Batman Returns. I thought that was kind of cool. So altogether, there are technically like 50 characters in the game, and 28 of those are actually like unique characters and not just like, you know, General Zod wearing the costume that he wore in the, in the latest Superman movie that wasn't very good. One major addition to the game is online multiplayer. This is one of the biggest things I knocked the game for in my last review, so I'm happy to see that they addressed it. I played against a bunch of opponents, and you can do battles of one, match, three, or five, and I'm happy to report that it actually works really great. Um, the one downfall to online matches is the amount of um, quote-unquote like energy it requires, so you'll use like double the amount of energy that one player mode takes, which is like... It's sort of like the developers acting as free-to-play coke dealers. So unless you have an item that restores your energy or you want to pay to play, you can only do a handful of online matches a day until your energy's completely depleted and then you're forced to let it recharge for a while. Is that, for, is that affected by whether or not you win? No. Whether or not you win or lose is uh, irrelevant. That's kind of stupid. Going into battle, it... Usually in, in the, um, at least in the earlier game, it only takes one block of energy, which you usually have like 10. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you do online, it takes like two or three. Other additions to the game include new challenges and, and more like equipable gear. So you can get like different claws for Catwoman that do different things or like even like all these cards that have minor characters from the DC universe, like Mr. Mixelplick or whatever. And they have different, um, I don't know, bonuses and buffs and stuff like that. They've also added social media integration, the ability to create and watch replays, uh, leaderboards, so you can now see who's the biggest winner of the game and also the biggest loser of life because they've either spent <laughs> $50 or 50 hours to get to the top of that leaderboard. Because like, and unlocking anything is still just nightmarish. I've been able to in accumulate more in-game currency faster this time around. Either they adjusted that or just doing online matches gets you more currency. So, you know, you'll log into the server daily and maybe um, and maybe I'll participate in multiplayer or um, some, like, timed events and stuff like that. And I've gained a lot more money than I had. Like, this, you know, the Superman that I talked about in the first episode that's, like, I figured would be, like, $20 or, like, a billion hours to unlock is a lot more like within grasp now. You could probably unlock most of the characters in like a week's time if you really buckled down and played like a few hours a day and you know, maybe spend a few dollars recharging your energy, but um yeah, it's it's not as bad as it was. It looks better than ever. Um I can't say for sure if that's because I'm playing on the the current newest iPhone when I wasn't when I originally played it, but it's visually equivalent to, say, like, a Wii game up to, like, HD, if that makes sense. Like, the character models are pretty crisp, but they still have kind of, like, stiff animations, and the backgrounds are kind of boring and bland and sort of low-poly, which maybe is, like, a decision that they made to keep, like, the, everything in the foreground running smoother. I don't know. Overall, it's still a lot of just tap, 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 swipe to attack with your character and their very small movesets, but it's free to play and one of the few relatively polished fighters in the App Store, so I can recommend it. You know, it's worth a shot. I mean, it, it, at the very least, it's fan service. You're a DC Comics fan. It sounds like it'd be pretty cool to see a lot of those characters. Yeah. So, Kevin, let's hear about uh, Two-Bit Cowboy. So, 2-Bit Cowboy, it's developed by Cascadia for iOS and published by Crescent Moon Games. It's 99 cents on the App Store. I guess the first thing that's 
noticeable about it is that it has a beautiful old Game Boy aesthetic, complete with green pea soup uh, pixel graphics and a western Naturally. and a western inspired <laughs> inspired chiptune soundtrack. Yeah, it looks and sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, that it does. Um, the storytelling is very limited, but it's communicated like an old silent film where it'll show like a clip of video and then it'll cut to like a black screen with just text on it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's cool. it's a really cool style. Your job is to save the town by taking quests and using your six shooters to solve all of the problems in the world. There isn't a theme that's more American than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a platform-style game. It involves a lot of exploration while collecting coins scattered throughout the level. It's sort of like um, if DuckTales for the NES got trigger-happy, this is what it would look like. Okay. You can ride horses and bulls, and there are saloons scattered all around that sell power-ups. The, the developer, Cascadia, built it as, like a, as a Western-vania. You know, sort of like a Western Castlevania. Yeah. And that's more or less accurate, but honestly, like... Just because, just because, like there aren't really like weapon upgrades or anything like that, I, I, I st- I'm still going to go with Ducktales as like the major influence because it's a platformer without linear progression. Uh-huh. Like you can, I mean, you go through the levels in a fixed order, but like it's heavily focused on exploration, just like Ducktales was. You take quests by finding like warrants and you know reward posters. The quests range from things like shooting bandits to shooting bottles to shooting crates, shooting barrels, shooting snakes, shooting scorpions, shooting armadillos. There's, it's really all around shooting stuff. Uh, I really hoped you were going to turn that around and make it all a rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> Exploration's required to complete all of the objectives, and it's not required to complete them. Like you can, it's possible to complete a level just by finding the exit. That in and of itself isn't very challenging. Like killing everything that you need to, or you know, I, I guess it's not just shooting. Like you can, you can rescue chickens or rescue sheep, but really everything else is just shooting things. Or, or riding a bull. Or riding a bull. This game is kind of a conservationist's worst nightmare. Because <laughs> you're like killing armadillos and shit, and you know you'll see a bottle sitting around and be like. Shoot twenty bottles or something like that, and you know because recycling apparently isn't a thing. It's the old west, right? Well, and, and probably prohibition is in effect. Maybe a bit early, but let's just maybe of it. It's probably moonshine that a guy pissed out into the bottle. He's just you know waiting to, you know, let it separate. Delicious. So that's the general breakdown of the game. It's very it's very much inspired by old school Game Boy games. The good things about it are, at 12 levels, it's about the right length. Each level takes about 5 to 7 minutes. Um, so, it didn't get old, you know, it didn't wear out its welcome or anything. Uh, the retro aesthetic is very appealing, and it's pulled off beautifully. It it looks um, it looks great on my iPad. Uh, the Western chiptune soundtrack is very fitting. It, you know, even though, like, it's it's not, like, traditional instrumentation, it's still chiptune, like, it still has a very western feel to it. Quest system makes it so that you kind of choose your own difficulty level. Like, you can pass a level that might be giving you a hard time just by not completing a tricky objective, but if you want to be challenged by the game, like, you can do some things that are pretty tricky in it. So, overall, you know, I found the game to be pretty enjoyable. I did have one complaint about it. Controls are generally decent, but they still run into most of the problems that iOS games have with the platform genre that uses a touchscreen interface. It might be able to be solved a little bit by the on-screen buttons. Um, They're a little too close together. So, there were a couple of times that, like, I would disembark a minecart over a bottomless pit by accident. It's not game-breaking, like, it didn't ruin the game for me, but it was a little frustrating, especially considering that since this is an old-school game, it went with the, if you die, you start over at the beginning of the level. Oh, yeah. Uh, However, um, controller support is included, so that's considerate. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess if I was willing to shell off the money for, you know, an iOS controller... Those are only, like, $100. Yeah. (laughs) Like... If it bothered me enough, I could do something about it. Yeah. But overall, 2-Bit Cowboy is pretty awesome. I had a lot of fun with it. I actually finished it, so... That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I, I recommend it. It's only 99 cents, you know, why not? Cool. Sure. 
and just for you know to support an indie developer who like clearly made a game from his heart like this is clearly like you know something that he has nostalgia for yeah we're following him on twitter now hey that lucky guy <laughs> <laughs> well emrys you have some bridge thing Yeah, uh, Bridge Constructor. That's it. It's a cool little physics game. Uh, You can find it on the Google Play Store. It's also on iOS and Windows Phone, in fact. Only $2 on the Google Play Store. And it's a little game where you are trying to build a bridge from one side of a chasm to another. It has an expansion that you can pick up, too. I'm using in-app purchases, which is really the only in-app purchases there is. That's kind of funny, because there's an expansion for a bridge game. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Each of the levels is unlockable, and then when you've unlocked all the levels, you unlock a, uh, a third kind of vehicle that you can drive over your bridge. The challenge of each level is to span this ravine or, you know, river, or whatever kind of obstacle it is for that particular level. Using wooden planks, uh, metal beams, wire cables, and cement constructs. And you have to do it within a certain budget. Each of the different materials has an expense. So, like, metal beams are, like, exponentially more expensive than um, wood. So you can only use a couple of those... To get the job done. The game is very open-ended. Uh, so it gives you like one side and the other side. And then build points where you can connect your um, planks and whatnot. So you have to connect it to a build point, And then you move your finger around as far as the planks will go. And then you just have to connect all the build points together to make your bridge. It's a little confusing at first because... <laughs> The the game will let you build a thing out to, like, n- the middle of nowhere. So you'll think it's attached to your bridge, but it's not. And then when you go to hit the simulate button, everything will fall apart <laughs> <laughs> under gravity because you didn't actually connect it to the build points. On a phone screen, it's a little bit hard to get the precision that you need. You'll occasionally have to try it a couple times. Other than that, the controls aren't too bad, and it's really open-ended. So you'll set your bridge up, and then you hit the simulation button when gravity will kick in. So you wait a couple seconds for gravity, make sure it doesn't all fall apart, and the parts of your bridge that have the most stress on them will turn red, so you can see where the weight is being distributed to. And then you click on car to send a couple of cars over the bridge. And if they get to the other side successfully, you've passed the level. This sounds awesome. It's kind of it's kind of cool. Because I just imagine, like, even when you lose, you at least get to watch, like, just chaos unfold. <laughs> <laughs> get to send trucks over also. And if the trucks make it over, then you get bonus points. And then once you've unlocked all the levels... You get a third option, which are tanker trucks, which are apparently extra heavy. And then if you can get your tanker trucks over, you get an extra bonus still. Please tell me they explode when they crash. Hopefully they do explode. Yes. Unfortunately, the, the physics crashes, which are, you know, obviously a big draw of playing a game like this, aren't actually as satisfying as I had hoped. Because the cars don't really, like, do anything... They will fall into a river and then just kind of keep driving under the riverbed. (laughs) And it doesn't actually, like, cancel the level and send you back to build mode. It will just, like, not do anything for a little while, and you have to back manually. Mm. So it's a little little underwhelming. Like, maybe the tanker trucks explode. That would be neat. But the cars and the regular trucks do not. And um, everything kind of falls apart at the speed of gravity, which isn't particularly fast. So it just sort of sags and then breaks. Sometimes it's hard to figure out why it broke. So all in all, it's not very action-packed. Like, you can take as long as you want to build these bridges. 
Uh, if you're an architectural student, it's sort of like doing homework, really. <laughs> you know, you just apply knowledge. The game doesn't give you any hints, so apart from, like, triangles are good. You know, if you don't, if you can't figure out how to finish a level, it can be kind of challenging to do it, but I found it to be more frustrating, really, than rewarding. So, and also there's no real, there's the budget limit, but that's really the only thing keeping you from doing whatever you want. And some of the screenshots, in fact, have a bridge that is like a big, complicated thing that ends in a jump. So the cars, like, fly <laughs> off the edge of the jump and then land on the other side, apparently. So apparently you can do stuff like that, but there's literally no, like, impetus to do so, except your own imagination. Yeah. So it could be that I'm just not imaginative enough for this sort of game. Like, when I got a, a, a Lego set when I was a kid, I would just put together the Lego set the way it was supposed to be done, and then I would kind of leave it. You know, I wasn't terribly creative with my building blocks. Yeah. So it could be that this just isn't, like, a game for me. Uh, I still found it pretty fun. Uh, I, I played it for a couple hours, definitely, and got about halfway through it. There's a lot of good content for it, and uh, the, using the different kinds of materials is fun, because they have a dramatically different impact on how your bridge behaves. I I think it would be cooler to play maybe, like, a Rube Goldberg game <laughs> than maybe this bridge game. But, uh... It was rewarding enough for me. It's actually, I think, so far the only game I've reviewed where I kind of feel tepid about it. Oh. It was good, and it has, like, good graphical quality. You know, uh, it's not very complex or flashy. The sound is good, has music that doesn't annoy me, and... Yeah, I played it for a little while, and then I put it away. So I give it, um... Three bridges across a span between two numbers that are zero. <laughs> the middle three out of five wow. I guess. yeah okay i see what you're saying now and for two dollars like it's it's fine it's awesome pick it up two dollars try to unlock those I, I, maybe i will try to unlock those um exploding tanker trucks because you i didn't even think of that until you suggested it yeah i want to see some footage of them burning <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that you'll never be able to run for president now. Oh, said that. crap. <laughs> You're almost old enough. Shut up, <clears throat> you. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. All right, well. We're all pretty presidential here. Yeah. Before we get into our big review, I'm going to jump into a, just a brief little sort of impressions, you know, not a full review, of Twitch streaming on iOS. So I've been, we have a Twitch page, I guess you'd call it. Now, and I've used it a few times, maybe once a week since I started it. I'm underwhelmed, I guess you could say. Uh, anyway, I'll start from the beginning here. So, like, one of the most exciting things for me when they announced, like, um, all the features for iOS 7 was live streaming through Twitch. Um, and this was, this was the catalyst for me creating the Portable Power Twitch page. But the reason I'm underwhelmed and the reason that Twitch page isn't super active is there's only one iOS game that I know of, at least on iPhone, that currently supports it. So in March, Gameloft, you know, one of the huge mobile gaming companies, updated its arcade-style racing game Asphalt 8 Airborne to include Twitch compatibility. Um, so provided you have your account, right from within the game's main menu, or even like a pause screen or a loading screen, with just the tap of an icon, you'll instantly start streaming. And it not only has the option to stream the game itself, but it can also use the iPhone's front-facing camera and microphone, so you can actually do like live video and audio commentary as well. And I've tried out this feature a handful of times. I have to admit, like, okay, so I don't have the hottest internet connection. You know, we all live in America, so my situation is I'm paying $70 a month for 10 meg internet, and it works fine for watching Netflix or Hulu or whatever. For streaming out into the world, my upload speeds are just far too slow. Even even when I chose like just to stream the game by itself and not use any video of me or sound of me as well, I have to set the quality to the absolute lowest setting just to keep a stable connection. 
Um, and how this looks on the other end, the people actually watching, I'm not really sure. I, I've never done it from that angle. And I don't think either of you guys checked it out when I did it, right? I haven't been home when you've done it. Yeah. Perhaps one of my few viewers, Christopher Arnold, can actually tell us, but I haven't, I haven't <laughs> asked him. Christopher, you should tell us. Right now. He's actually on Skype. I could probably message him. Speaking of, there's also live chat, like text chat, but I'm pretty sure the only people that can do it are the viewers. The host is confined to audio chat only, which, which is okay, I guess. So, I mean, the game itself, though, Asphalt 8, huge production values. These graphics for this game are like almost like PS3 quality on my iPhone. Soundtrack has like licensed music from like big bands like um, uh, Silver Sun Pickups, Queens of the Stone Age, Crystal Method. They went all out for this thing. Tons of tracks from all different areas and they're only slightly stereotypical. You know, there's like uh, telephone boxes in London, which I hear like there aren't really many telephone boxes left in London. Um, and when you're driving through part of Japan, there's a giant mech in the middle of the road. Tons of cars, online multiplayer. One of the weird things is, like, the physics of the game, though. Like, it's an arcade-style racer, and, you know, don't take it too seriously, but, like, you'll be driving, you'll hit, like, telephone poles and street signs, and they just fly out of the way. You don't slow down at all. Like, you'll drive through, like, a stone, like, a, a cement barrier in the middle of the highway, and you don't lose any speed. It just explodes. So that's kind of weird, but the game is a lot of fun and looks gorgeous. Um, I just wish the Twitch streaming was a little bit better. Uh, maybe it will be for something like Hearthstone. I heard Hearthstone is going to support it too. So we'll see. Um, I'll try to check that out as soon as I can. Check it out. Asphalt 8 free right now. So you could totally like download it, start playing it, have a good time, and uh, stream to your friends. All two of them. Moving on, the uh, headliner... I guess for this episode is a new game for the 3DS. Kevin, I'll let you talk about it. The headliner is I am drunk, guys. <laughs> I did a little pre-gaming. Oh. Both playing video games and drinking before we got on. Okay. And now this raging bitch is kicking my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I cursed and talked about debauchery. Woo! Let's talk about Kirby. <laughs> the adorable pink powder puff from Nintendo. Yes, that one. All right, Kirby, Kirby Triple Deluxe just came out for the 3DS, developed by HAL Laboratory. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Kirby. I, I've, you know, I've loved him for quite some time. I used to draw a comic about him when I was 12 years old, um, which apparently was 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I haven't played a traditional Kirby game since probably Kirby's Dream Land 2 on the original Game Boy. Wow. Uh, but this game felt just like Kirby's Adventure, and, you know, I really enjoyed another trip through Dreamland. Basically, it's kind of, you know, once again, Kirby has a lot of copy abilities, and he takes them from the enemies that he consumes. There are old standbys like his sword and, like, this beam that he shoots. But there are also newer powers, or at least new to me anyway, like um, Ninja and um, a bell. But the cool thing is it's not just... You press B, and it does one thing. It's almost... There are button combos you can push in, and different... Pa like, with the powers, these combos will do different moves. Like, a ninja, your default move is to throw shuriken, but if you, like, are dashing, and you press the B button, you'll do, like, this really slick move where you pull out a katana blade and just go dashing through a whole row of enemies. That's awesome. Yeah, so every power has this whole series of, of different moves you can do associated with it. I don't know if that's new to this game or not, but it was definitely new to me for the series, because I, I haven't played anything since, like, the Game Boy era. I think I heard only a few of them are new. I think someone said, like, the Clown or Circus one or something was new. Oh, uh, yeah, I hated that one, but I hate clowns. <laughs> one time, this uh, I was hanging out with this girl and she was pretty cute, and she was interested in me. Oh. And then she told me that she was a clown on the weekends, and then I stopped talking to her. Good call. Yeah. 
Because it takes a special kind of person to want, want to do that. It takes a special kind of person to love a clown. Right. Hey, my dad was a clown. Do you love your dad? I do. Well, you're a special kind of person. I uh, I forgot about that until I found some of his clowning books earlier today. <laughs> that's, that's horrifying. Would you have been more like? Would you have been more comfortable finding out something like unsavory about your father? No, I mean I knew he was a clown. I would lie for that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so the the 3D in Kirby is used very well. It's actually used a lot like mutant muds. So it's like layers. Yeah, layers. Like, there are, there are fixed points where you can go to the background or return to the foreground. And there are, you know, puzzles associated with that. They're not really overly complex puzzles, because this is kind of a game for 12-year-olds. But yeah. it's still, you know, it's still fun. Enemies in the background can harm you. And actually, the one, th- the one part of the game that really incorporates 3D extremely well is boss fights. Like, it... it really takes advantage of the 3DS hardware and does things that really couldn't have been done on other systems. I mean, maybe they could have done it, but it would have been a lot harder to tell that something was in the background. There's a new power in the game that's only in select stages called the Hypernova, which is far too powerful. Basically, it just supercharges Kirby, and he can suck anything in. Uh, So that's like that video you showed where you sucked the house in? Yeah, yeah, that was the Hypernova. That I had right there, where Kirby was the big bad wolf, huffing and puffing and not blowing houses down as much as sucking houses in. Yeah. Which kind of makes him look like the bad guy, right? Waddle Dees are pretty cute. They are, but all you have to do is touch them. They hurt you. But you hurt them too. I guess. (laughs) I don't have a good argument. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) It makes the game too easy when you have it, but it's a rare enough power that it's not really that much of a problem. Yeah. And, you know, I I did do a little bit of reading on the internet, uh, and the general consensus is that the game is too easy. But for me personally, I've never played Kirby games for a challenge. You know, I I play them because. That's the point of Kirby games. Right. they're, they're, They're innovative, they're imaginative. The thing is, to find everything in the game is far more challenging than actually completing it. Like, there are hidden keychains that uh, are elements from past Kirby games for, you know, nostalgia's sake. Um, There are hidden sun icons that are sort of like the star coins in Super Mario Brothers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's stuff there. You know, there are certain sections of levels that you have to do within a certain time period or you don't get the keychain or you don't get the sun coin or you know any of those things so it's not just that you know like yeah point a to point b sure it's easy but finding all of the secrets that's really kind of the challenge that's always been in the kirby series and this game is no different than that now um kirby triple deluxe also offers two new gameplay modes ddd's drum dash and Kirby Fighters. Ah, yes. Yeah. Now, DDD's Drum Dash is kind of a weird mashup of platformer and rhythm game. Like, uh, Harmonite? Like Harmonite's if I actually wanted to play it. (laughs) I I downloaded the demo for that game, and I was massively disappointed, and I just didn't go any further with it. DDD's Drum Dash, I couldn't make it through the first level. It was so hard. So for people who are complaining (laughs) this game is too easy, play DDD's Drum Dash, and that will keep you occupied for a while. Okay. As far as um, Kirby Fighters goes, I was actually able to to try this out in multiplayer mode thanks to my friend Kate, who decided to come over earlier tonight, right before we started recording, which is the other reason (laughs) that... I'm drunk right now because we were drinking and playing Kirby. Um, Is she there right now? No, she went home. I thought it would be funny if someone was just sitting there watching you record a podcast. Uh, That's happened before, but no. No, not tonight. So Kirby Fighters is a lot like... It's basically the same kind of genre as Smash Brothers, but every character is Kirby with a different power. It's not nearly as robust as Smash, Bro- as Smash Brothers. It doesn't have any online multiplayer or anything uh, like that. There are a lot of balancing issues with it. Like, the ranged characters have a distinct advantage over, over you know, the melee ranged yeah. characters. It's still well done, though. Like, it features a lot of stages from classic Kirby games, like 
the the low 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 boss battle from Kirby's Dreamland one. Yeah. And you know bosses will make appearances in the levels like so it, it's a lot like it's a lot like the ADD feel of Smash Brothers where there's just a million things going on around you at the same time mm-hmm. and you have to keep tabs on everything. It's up to up to four players. We played it with two um, computer opponents and like I said, there are balancing issues. But this game, more than anything else, this game um, gives me confidence that Smash Brothers on 3DS will work because oh. there weren't any camera issues, um, there weren't any frame rate problems. I'll probably play it with the 3D off because I don't hate myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's completely feasible to have a game that's as crazy as Smash Brothers on a screen the size of a 3DS. Right. Emerson, cool. are you a Smash Bros. fan? Uh, yeah, I love Smash Bros. Oh, Brothers. man. We're all, it's just gonna be like Pokemon X all over again. All of us in the yeah, playing so. each other. Oh, I cannot mm-hmm. wait. This cannot summer, wait. guys. This summer. I heard it's August, but we'll see. The end of this summer, guys. The end of this summer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know about you, but, um, all this talk about, like, Kirby and old school Kirby and, like, 2-Bit Cowboy and old, old style games makes me really want to hear about something from yonder years. Boy, that was a really forced transition. Was it? Just to make it even more forced, I think uh, that any character who inhales all of their power has an unhealthy relationship with cocaine. <laughs> that has absolutely nothing to do with the game I'm going to review. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, more forced. <laughs> Yeah, so for our portable past, our retro gaming segment here, I'm reviewing Mario Golf for the Game Boy Color. This uh, was a game released in the U.S. Uh, October of 1999. Um, I played it just recently for the first time on the 3DS Virtual Console. Um, it's developed by Camelot, who they're known for their Hot Shots golf games, I believe. Also, like, RPGs like Shining Force and Golden Sun. So I'm doing this in lieu of reviewing the most recent Mario Golf game for 3DS because none of us had any plans to purchase it. Um, so this is the first game in that series. And since it's developed by Camelot, should be no surprise that you start out the game as a custom character and you travel around an overworld map and you converse with NPCs and level up your stats. And yeah, okay, you also play golf a lot. Um, I found the, the, just the idea, you know, the concept... All of this was like initially very intriguing and, and really refreshing, since I'm not really a sports game fan. Here's where everybody in the world's going to hate me. I don't think this game is designed well enough. Um, I, could not, I was not engaged for very long. You know, the overall goals that I was to achieve were fairly clear. You know, level up my character, win the tournaments, beat the bosses, and get good at golf. But the pathways to reach those goals weren't as plain as I would have liked. The experience for me became very much like an old like 8-bit style RPG where I just was a lot of wandering around, not knowing what I'm supposed to do, a lot of aimless battles, or technically, okay, holes of golf, rather. And these often ended with my miserable defeat. And I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's me. Was I overthinking it? Was I trying to do too much early on? I don't know. It was never explicit enough me to know for sure. It's entirely possible, though, that I just suck at Mario Golf. The golf game itself is solid, you know, and it's very similar. It's comparable to, like, every golf game I've ever played on a Nintendo console. So if you've played freaking golf all the way back 25 years ago on the NES with that very inspired title, um, it's, it's similar to that. You know, and the same for, like, NES Open and, of course, you know, all the later Mario Golf games. You know, there's a moving timer. You have to hit it once perfectly to determine your distance, and then again perfectly to determine the accuracy of your shot. And the mechanics are they're really satisfying when they work in your favor, but I don't know. My timing isn't great, and maybe my patience is too thin. You know, and even though the, the AI automatically selects the angle of approach for you and the specific club you need and shows you roughly the max, the max distance of your shot, I missed all the time. 
even when it seemed my timing was like right on the nose, you know, maybe it was the wind, I don't know. But rarely did I get a par in my time with Mario Golf. I played for like three hours. Um, more often I'd end up with like a plus six or like <laughs> if, if I'm in a tournament, like I'm just quietly being ushered from hole to hole, like, like a dirty little secret. <laughs> <laughs> was the problem that everyone was doing mushrooms? <laughs> no, I'm going to get to that. <laughs> okay. So visually I would say this game is very similar to the early Pokemon games for the Game Boy and Game Boy Color, but not quite as nice. The colors, especially to me, were just really freaking inappropriate. Additionally, the font they use to display, you know, stuff like Birdie and all that, it's absolutely terrible. I actually think the old NES Open Tournament Golf is a better looking and more, like, appropriate Mario Golf game than, than this one. You know, in my short time with this game, the, the, the titular character... You know, that Mario guy didn't make one appearance. I mean, in the very beginning, you can select him or Luigi instead of creating your custom character, but I don't think you can really do the whole game. I believe the experience is nerfed because I don't think you can level them up um, and can't participate in certain things with them. So playing as Mario Luigi actually hurts the experience. And there's hmm. uh, everything that's Mario about it is really, like, shoehorned in, like... When, when you have to make a shot, you have to make this next shot or you're gonna you're not gonna get par. It's, it plays like the underground do 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 music or like um, if you if you get like a you know if you're mean you get like a plus six on a hole, the background is like flashing bullet bills. but other than that, there's like no Mario element that I noticed. Um, maybe later in the game, I don't know. I'm never gonna get that far. This game was really highly reviewed at the time of its release and I just don't see it. It's entirely possible it's just not the game for me. I, I, I definitely played it too late to agree with every one of the reviewers that I read um, comments on how good the graphics were, how great the soundtrack was, because I thought both were terrible. <laughs> I just can't relate, and I'm sorry. I know a lot of people like this game and, and stuff, but I didn't care for it. So how does it compare mechanically to um, Wii Golf? Because of the controllers, like, it's it's drastically different it doesn't have motion control i did well i well, fuck that <laughs> i did i did a couple times swing the 3s around my you know by the strap a few times because i was pissed off at it but that didn't seem to do much so this is available on the virtual console yeah actually it was a club nintendo promotion i got it for like 250 coins or something oh nice so i spent zero dollars on it i think i think it's only like four bucks or something I, I guess I could say, like, if you just want to, like, get some holes of golf in, it's okay. Like I said, NES Open Tournament Golf, which I think is on the 3DS Virtual Console. We got it as an ambassador. Mm -hmm. I think it's a better golf game. Look, looks better, too. Way better colors and, and graphics. And guess who you get to play as? Super freaking Mario. Imagine that. Yeah. You get to play as Mario in a Nintendo game. Yeah, there we go. Those are all of our reviews. I thought it would be nice to end the show to do some shout-outs and thank-yous for some some of our peeps for the past year. I have a few here. I'll start, and you guys can interject whenever you want. First and foremost, Jeff Kunkel. He's the reason this podcast has a home. Also, Bill Russum, as well, is equally uh, guilty. Aislinn Kunkel, for being uh, uh, not a, only a great sister and a great fan, but also um, <laughs> the reason we know Jeff and Bill. You know, it just all goes together. <laughs> uh, Jeff and Bill, the pretty much the heads, along with... Um, Mike of the Popular Outcast Network. For those who don't listen to those other podcasts, it's more like it's more like a ravenous hydra, really. Yeah. Shoutouts to fans, Compton Eric. Uh, he likes like every single thing we say on Facebook, and that's awesome. And we super appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like something silly, but yeah. like just liking those posts and interacting with us is like a huge confidence booster. Yeah. And just like motivator to keep doing that. It is. It's it's the truth, and. Is speaking of motivation to keep doing it, Daniel Merritt. Every show needs to have a Daniel and a, and a Compton Eric. Yeah, yeah. The popular outcasts have Liam and uh, a couple other guys, but we have Daniel and Eric, and they're awesome. Also, Christopher Arnold. He's a fan, a friend, and um, our first interview subject. That was like the first time that I felt legitimate. 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> that someone said yes to letting us interview them. And it was a super positive experience. It was. And we still have a relationship with him today. Yeah, he was actually really cool and fun to have on the show. Uh, and s- speaking of, Josh from Crescent Moon hooks us up with review copies early. Like, that is awesome. Yeah, I, I forgot to I forgot to thank him for uh, during my, my review, but uh, special thanks to Josh for hooking us up with uh, 2-Bit Cowboy because I would not have been able to complete a review because that game just came out today. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks a lot, man. That was that was really awesome of you to, to help us out. Yeah, and we're definitely going to have both those guys on the show again sometime. I know Christopher's still working on the new Ping, which I have beta access mm-hmm. to, but I don't have a device that I can <laughs> take advantage of that. Um, so also want to give shout-outs to some Twitter people that I interact with frequently. So Ryan, a.k.a. Brondwarf of the Nintendo Fun Club podcast. Thanks for being awesome. Tyler, uh, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, dude. Tyler Olu of uh, stickitinyourpocket.com. It's actually a really good portable games website, and he, like us, hand draws all the images to go along with the reviews. Other podcast people, the Pocket Players, Pocket Toyed. It's been great, you know, very slightly getting to know you guys. And then also um, listener Jeff Helgerson. I think he's a popular Outcast fan in general. Here's to another year. Hopefully we can keep this going. Clink. Cheers. 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 All right, people. uh, Very quickly, portablepower.popularoutcasts.com. That's our website. That's our home. You can stream the show there, or you can find it on iTunes. But if you go to the website, click on the Amazon banner, do your shopping there. Make sure that your cookies are cleared or you're in incognito mode so that we definitely get the money to help the popular outcasts keep doing what they're doing. Go to iTunes. Download. Rate review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Twitter, at PortablePowerFM. Follow us, chat with us. I'm on there every day in my breaks. Facebook.com slash PortablePowerPodcast. Email us with requests, conversations, whatever you want to do. PortablePowerPodcast at gmail.com. We're now on Vine. I post videos every now and then on Vine um, to varying degrees of success. Um, we're on Twitch, as I said earlier, streaming as much as I can, as infrequently as I can. And <laughs> um, DeviantArt, portablepowerpodcast.deviantart.com to view our artwork that we've done for the show. And that's it. Happy birthday, Portable Power. Good night, everyone. We'll see you on June 1st. We out. <laughs>